Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Hello, everybody, and good Friday morning. This is Pastor Brett Cornelius with Gethsemane Lutheran Church. Uh, you're listening to the Wittenberg Door. Glad you joined us this morning. Uh, we're going to be here for the next, uh, for the remainder of the hour. And uh, the Wittenberg Door, by the way, is a call-in program. So if you have questions or comments you'd like to add to the program, we invite you to do that. The number is 740-383-9944. That's uh, the call letters of the station, 383-WWGH. So uh, good morning, everybody. Sean, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, are Brett? Are you uh, recovering and getting a little stronger each I day? I am. Each day I'm good. getting a little bit stronger every day. Good. All right. Yep. Glad to hear. And uh, Lee, nice good to morning. have you with us this morning. We weren't here last week because I was in Nashville. Uh, my wife and I went down for uh, uh, it was our 30th anniversary this year. Oh, happy anniversary! And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, actually our anniversary is in March, but we decided to put off the little vacation, and so we went down for a couple of days. Now that's a nice area, you know. Yeah, if you uh, like my, music, by the way. Yeah, my uh, brother wonderful. lives in Nashville. Oh, you does? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah uh, if you like music, I mean, they have all kinds of music and blues and rock and roll and you, know, you think country music when you when you think Nashville. But. Yeah. And of course, one of the reasons I like Tennessee in general is all the Civil War battlefields. Yeah. And some of them are still pretty well preserved. I so I got to visit a couple sites while I was there, and uh, my wife went shopping with her sister, and I, I. Uh, it took my brother-in-law and dragged him around a couple places. You saw the uh, Batmobile building? Oh, uh, no. It's the Bell South. It's right downtown. Okay. They call it the Bell's, Batmobile, yeah. They call it, it the Batmobile. Like, yeah, it has like, looks like a Batmobile. Building. I went to the Tennessee uh, Museum of History. That was really, that's a really great, uh, it's right downtown there, really nice. Yeah. And a lot of information. And uh, So if you like history, by the way, man, if, you ever get, if you're ever down in Nashville, go, go see that. That's really something. And uh, so, yeah, so anyway, today is the, uh, this Sunday, by the way, is the fourth Sunday in Easter. And um, the, we, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the Sunday that we call, you know, every, in Easter and in Lent, actually uh, in Lent, and Easter and in Advent, all the, um, all the Sundays have Latin names that have been given to them. Um, you know, very early on, uh, th- uh, and this one is uh, Jubilati is the is the Latin name given for this Sunday, um, which is basically a way of just saying be jubilant, be joyful, right? Yeah. Uh, so in uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter, what are we joyful about? Well, we're joyful. We're still considering the fact that we have a risen Savior, and that and that gives us joy. You know, we. Um, we have things all around us that that uh, bring bring on depression, really, or maybe not, you know maybe not that drastic, but there's sadness all around us. 
you know, you hear some diagnosis of a friend or you hear about somebody's passing. Uh, maybe you're going to a funeral or uh, going to visit somebody in the hospital. I, I myself, I was just in the hospital last night with some uh, uh, heart chest pains, and so we had to go check it out. Well, this morning I saw a friend there, and his dad had had a had a heart attack. Really? And uh, you know, um, they were t- they were willing him in to get a get uh, he's going to go for surgery. So, and you know, you have all these things all around you. Economic woes, uh, you know, cultural kind of uh, annoyances, uh, and uh, you, it, it's presidential year, of course, so everybody's kind of depressed about that. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's all, all these reasons to be sad in the world, but there's one really good reason to be joyful. That is that we have a Savior who has rescued us from sin and death who has himself taken on our sin, taken on our death, was crucified for us, paid the penalty that we deserved, uh, took on to himself God's wrath for us, and, uh, and died on the cross, and rose from the dead on the third day. And so uh, we're joyful about that, even Everything if... Everything else compels in comparison. Even if all the sorrows around us uh, you know, demand our attention. We have to remember that, uh, that this is a reason to be joyful, because we will also share in that resurrection. So Jubilati Sunday, and uh, and so Lee, why don't we? Uh, we're going to start with the lessons today. Okay. Why don't we start with the uh, Old Testament lesson from Lamentations? If you can read that for us. All right. This is uh, Lamentations, chapter three, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. From the ESV, the English Standard Version. Is there is there more to it than that? There's a are there some other verses with that? Oh, yeah, two through thirty-three. Okay. <laughs> the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his uh, mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. Let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but... Through, though he caused grief, he will have compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. And this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. You know, this is uh, really such a wonderful passage of Scripture when you contemplate what was happening in, with Jeremiah as all this was going on. Um, Jeremiah writes two books in the Old Testament. He writes uh, this book, Lamentations, and he writes, of course, uh, uh, the, the, the book that's named after him, Jeremiah, which is a lot longer than 54 chapters, Jeremiah. This one is about five chapters. <coughs> but this one is specifically written after the destruction of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar has come in, has uh, has 
has uh, captured his puppet king, Zedekiah, and punished him severely. And uh, he's destroyed the temple, the, the central object of Jewish worship, the place where God lived, the place where God's people came from all over Israel to, to worship him there and, and to, to receive his blessing. And that's the worst stroke, of course, that's happened in Jerusalem. It's tore down. It's, it's not, you know, the stones have been thrown down. And, um, they were so, warned time and time again, though. Yeah, yeah, they, and they had been warned over. And Jeremiah was one of them warning them. Yeah. And, and so now it's happened. It's a, and they, like they say, it's a fait accompli. And um, it's done. And Jeremiah is kind of sitting in these ruins of this city that he loves this nation that he loves and he's sitting among the ruins and and by the way it's not just that that you know kind of his national pride has been stung his patriotism but his own future his his own property for instance you know when he when he says here it's good for a man while he's in his youth uh how how does he put this um let him sit alone in silence yeah let him put his mouth in the dust uh, let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, by the way, which is, this is very Christological. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Um, but anyway, he, he, you know, he, he's talking about law, the, the young man and his loss. Well, Jeremiah is that man who's lost his, not only his national pride, you know, and patriotism is stung, but it's his own property. It's his own livelihood. It's his own life. That's being threatened, and, and Jeremiah is, is kind of this, um, he's this pawn in the game of world politics. And he himself is suffering. And yet, he finds hope. And where does he find that hope? Well, he finds that hope in God's love that he says, never the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. I think that has got to be the best line in the, in the whole book. And certainly a comfort for us as we, um, you know, folks, we are, we are temporal creatures. We are, uh, we're kind of uh, uh, fickle when it comes right down to it. Uh, we can love something at one time and then you know, something happens, uh, our best friend betrays us in some way, and they're no longer our friend, you know. Um, we're done with them. This happens all the time in human relationships. Uh, and, and we tend to ascribe that quality to God, that God himself, you know, may love us at one moment, and the next moment we've done something wrong, and now God is... God's not, God's not too enthusiastic about it. God doesn't love us anymore. That's how we feel. Um, you know, our, uh, our natures are, are prone, our fallen natures are prone to disbelief. And we need the word of God, especially this word of God, to remind us that God's love is steadfast. Well, what does that word steadfast mean? Uh, to hold on to something fast. Unwavering. That's old English. Yeah. You know, that means if you hold something fast, it means you don't let it go. He is steady and he holds it fast. He holds you fast. He's steadfast in his love for you. And it's a, just a wonderful way to describe 
God's unchanging character and God's unchanging will toward us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Now think about this. Because Jeremiah is saying this at a time when God has sent Nebuchadnezzar of, of Babylon to destroy the nation of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, because of their impenitence and their sin. So God has just had Nebuchadnezzar destroy this, destroy this city, destroy his own temple that God commanded to be built. And and yet, Jeremiah knows that when God punishes, he does it to bring us back. When God hits us with the stroke of, of discipline. It's not because he hates us. You know, uh, how often did you think that when you were a kid, by the way? Remember? when you, Did you get spanked when you were a kid, Sean? I did. Good. <laughs> it's good for kids to get spanked. Well, when you got spanked, um, what, 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 did you, what did you think your parents' attitude toward you was? Anger. Anger, right? Yeah. You thought they hated you. Yeah. I mean, they were really mad at you, right? Yes. It just seems that way sometimes, you know. Parents should be cautious about spanking their children in anger. I think uh, you don't want to give kids the wrong impression. Um, but, but, you know, our parents did it. We, you know, we've done it. And, um, and yet the, the kid's perception of what's going on is a lot different than what's really going on. The parents are acting in love. The parents are acting in, you know. So... Here, Jeremiah can see that. Jeremiah can see that even though God has punished Jerusalem, he loves them. And this stroke of his justice was meant to, to snap them out of their, you know. Sometimes your parents, when you remember when your parents would grab you. You know, what were they trying to do? Snap you out of whatever you're doing. You know, whatever you're doing. And, uh, and it worked, right? And so here's God. He's punishing Israel, and yet Jeremiah sees that God, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's, God's love for us hasn't stopped because he's punished the nation of Jerusalem, or the city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. His mercies, he says, never come to an end. Isn't that, that's pure gospel there. That's good news, that God's mercies never come to an end, because that's what we think. Because we know as temporal creatures, as fallen creatures, that our mercies do come to an end. You know, uh, there are, you know, you see it all the time. And you do have mothers or fathers that will even forsake their children. Because their children are just not getting it, right? And a kid, kid becomes a thief or a kid becomes a drug addict. And, and the parents will probably be the, the, the longest suffering people. They'll put up with it the longest than, than all the other family and friends. and So the parents will stay with them. But, the, but there's an end to even a, a parent's love. But what Jeremiah is teaching us here is there's no end to God's mercies. He is always merciful. He's always ready to be merciful. So the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Jeremiah says, great is your faithfulness which I think is where the hymn comes from. If you remember, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. You remember that, that hymn, don't you, Lee? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I believe that's, it's based on this, this little passage here. And so 
Jeremiah, by the way, who is, um, he's a man of property. Uh, as a matter of fact, during the book of, in the book of Jeremiah, you see that there's this um, business transaction that, that Jeremiah carries out. Um, somebody's selling some property, and Jeremiah's buying the property of his kinsmen. And, and he does it for the nation of Israel. He does it because he wants to show them that there is a future and a hope for Israel. There's going to be a time when God restores Israel. And so Jeremiah invests in property, right? So Jeremiah, has, he's a man of property. And, and your property, especially your inheritance, what you inherited from your, from your forebears, from your parents, um, uh, that was your portion in life, right? The things that you were able to accumulate through, throughout your life. This was, this was often called your portion. Well, Jeremiah has just seen his portion decimated. Uh, uh, I'm using that word wrongly, but I'm using it the way everybody uses it. it wiped out. This, his portion has been wiped out, right? Obliterated. Obliterated. But, but, but Jeremiah says this. He says, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. So when everything else is gone, when everything else has been obliterated, when life deals you its worst sadnesses, right? When the doctor tells you that that tumor is malignant, right? That's a, that's a, that's a difficult time in your life to hear that kind of thing. Or he tells you that you've got 99% blockage in your left ascending artery, right? These are not these are these are not good things to hear. Um, and yet, uh, the Lord is my portion. So we have. So why why are we joyful? We're joyful. We we uh, we 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 have jubilation in our hearts because we know that all of this sadness has been conquered by Christ. All of this sadness has been put away by the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that we will share in the kingdom he has inherited from his father. We're going to share in that. That's our portion. And so even if things get obliterated in your life, even if all your, your, your uh, plans for your career have, have suddenly shifted for some reason, it's okay. Because Jesus has died and rose again. And he is bringing us into a kingdom that, that lasts, just like his love for us lasts. He's bringing us to a life that doesn't end, just like his mercies never end. And Jeremiah ends this passage. He says, um, For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Now, it is true that God causes grief. And let's not um, let's not become uh, Armenian <laughs> over this point. Uh, uh, we don't we don't believe you know uh, who was who is the uh, rabbi that wrote the book about twenty or thirty years ago? Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Well, I think it's Kirshner, Rabbi Kirshner. And his answer in the book he writes the book a very popular book thirty years ago. And his answer to the book is, God can't help it. 
bad things happen to good people because, you know, God doesn't want them to happen, but they just happen. Um, there was a movie, a uh, Ben Stiller movie, 20 years ago, maybe now. <laughs> all my, all my uh, cultural references are a couple decades old. Uh, anyway, in this movie, um, uh, Ben Stiller plays a rabbi. And uh, in one of his sermons, he says, and he's kind of going along this line, he says um, uh, that God is kind of like Blanche Dubois. You remember who Blanche Dubois is? Uh-uh. Blanche Dubois was a character in A Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, and, um, and she was kind of this broken person that came to live with her sister and her husband, or now and her husband, her sister's husband was was uh, played by Marlon Brando, and uh, it's the Stella, you know, that movie. Uh, anyway, well, uh, he abuses this Blanche. Her, he abuses his wife's sister, and I won't get into all that. But but um, so this Ben Stiller says uh, he's God is kind of like Blanche Dubois. He's always one of her famous lines in that movie was. Uh, I always rely on the kindness of strangers, right? So God is always relying on the kindness of strangers. What a warped view of God. This is a, this is a God that isn't God. This is a God who, who is just, you know, kind of like one of us. Um, just a stranger on the bus. What's the song? Here's another cultural reference. At any rate, no, God's not that. God is the one who controls all things. He decides when it rains. He decides, you know, and I know there's kind of scientific explanations for the, you know, cold fronts and warm fronts meeting each other and, and, and all that. Okay. But God does it, right? God is in control of all this. God, um, the Psalms tell us that, that God tells the proud waves where to stop. He says, you shall go this far and no farther right? Uh, God is the one who, not a hair of our head falls to the ground without his knowing. Not a bird, not a sparrow in the air falls to the ground without his will, outside the will of God. So it all happens according to his will. And so when bad things happen, we can't say, well, God can't help it. Right? Because God can help it. And so when bad things happen, we, we take them as the will of God. Now, if the God we worshipped was not the God who sent his son to rescue us from sin and death and who rose again to save us from sin and death, that would be a pretty depressing thought to say that all things happen according to the will of God. But in Christ, we see a God ultimately of love so that when bad things do come to us, we can handle them because we know that they're filtered through the hand of a God who ultimately loves us. And ultimately, though he calls grief, Jeremiah says here, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. In other words, God's, God's desire in these bad things happening is not that we become hopeless or discouraged but that we when God does cause grief it's so that he can bring us to an awareness of of ourselves 
and ultimately an awareness of him. And one of the ways that God brings us to an awareness of ourselves is to, 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 to bring the commandment, to bring the law to us. And the law kind of points out some things about us that aren't so good. Our fickleness, our infidelity, our um, uh, uh, transitory character, right? And, uh, and when we see that, when we see the bad in us, which God does want us to see, when we see the bad in us, uh, hopefully what that does is it makes us look outside of ourselves to him who is good and to him who loves us with a steadfast love and whose mercies never come to an end and whose mercies are, are seen ultimately in Christ. And this is the last thing I want to say about this text because um, when, when he says here, it is good that, uh, that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him let him put his mouth in the dust that there may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. Okay? Now this is the really the wonderful, the really wonderful thing about the Christian faith. Because God isn't this person that just does these things to people. Right? Uh, or, or watches as these things are done to people where people are striked on the cheek, you know. God isn't just the God who kind of is an observer of all that. But God is the one who actually gets down in here with us and does the suffering with us. And this is what the incarnation of Jesus Christ is all about, the incarnation of God the Son becoming one of us. He's not up there, you know, uh, uh, watching from a distance. Here's a Bette Midler reference. <laughs> Uh, he's not watching from a distance. He's right here. You know, you can see him on the cross, right? What 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 is it in the in the Christian? Just by by the way, and I know a lot of Protestants don't have crucifixes. They don't want to see Jesus on the cross. But my goodness, that is the essence of Christianity. Uh, we have crucifixes in our church because it's not the empty cross. It's the incarnate God on the cross. It's Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. It's that suffering God that gives us a glimpse into the true nature of Christianity, the true nature of God himself. And without that, you can't see it. So when we talk about suffering, we talk about the horror of suffering Look to the cross where God shares our suffering and God saves us from that suffering. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay. What do we got next? First uh, Peter. Okay. First Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 20. Okay. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake 
to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants for God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are, are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Okay. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Now, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit in, in Lamentations. Uh, we're talking about Jeremiah's sorrow and Jeremiah's uh, and, and Israel and, and Jerusalem's suffering, which was justified. Israel had turned their back on God. Israel had, had embraced idols. Israel had been warned, as you pointed out earlier, Lee, had been warned over and over. God sent the, the nation of Israel many prophets, and they killed some, and they stoned others, and they Isaiah, who was sawn in two, right? And, uh, you know, many uh, many of these evil things that they did, well, they, when, when this suffering came to them, when it came to Jerusalem, they really had, didn't have any right to, to quibble about it because they deserved it. And uh, just as, you know, somebody, hey, somebody, if you go rob a bank and uh, the police catch you and they, you do some time in jail, you don't really have any, you know, there's, uh, you don't have a complaint. You did a crime that uh, that deserves the penalty you received. And um, and this is what what has happened with Jerusalem. Well, what 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 the apostle Peter is is teaching us here is that suffering's going to come to us. <laughs> suffering's going to come to us even when we don't deserve it. In fact, uh, suffering is going to come to Christians even when they're doing what's right. That's why we shouldn't do what's wrong. And that's what Peter's saying here. Because the, the, the people that, that uh, are against Christianity, when they see you do wrong, then they have a reason. Then, there's, then we can't really complain about, about people's hatred of, of the faith, you know, or hatred of, of Christians. Because Christians deserve it if they do wrong, right? Uh, but when we, but when we're doing what's right and we're and we're we're hated for it, uh, persecuted, suffer for it, uh, then then we then we there is there's something to that that is a, a, a identical with the nature of Christianity. Remember what, I, what we just say: the nature of Christianity is that the essence of Christianity is that God sent his son to in, in, in the son of God became incarnate in order to share our sufferings and so he suffered unjustly he, he, he didn't have any sin to suffer for but he suffered for us so that when we suffer unjustly it is it is an identification with Christ 
And that's what really what Peter's talking about here. You know, Jesus warned his disciples, um, uh, if any man uh, wants to be my disciple, he must take up his cross and follow me. You know, the cross there means rejection of the world, people rejecting you. The cross there means also people persecuting you. Um, and that is, uh, that's part and parcel of the Christian faith. That's, folks, if you're a Christian and you don't expect some of this uh, and you're not ready for it, it can really shake you up. Um, that people might not like you for when you do what's right, you know? And you understand if you do what's wrong and people don't like it. But when you're doing what's right and, and people oppose you for it, it's a little, it's a difficult to bear. But it is as, when we're baptized into Christ, Paul says we're united with Christ. And the cross of Christ marks us. And, and, and Jesus says, if the world, if the world hated me, don't, don't be surprised if it hates you, right? And, uh, and that's what Peter's saying here. He's saying, uh, bear up under unjust suffering because, because you know, you're, you're following in the footsteps of Christ when you do this. Don't do anything wrong. Be subject to every human institution. Be subject to the emperor. Be subject to the governors because the governors are sent by the emperor. The emperor is supreme in the political system. Now, we don't have an emperor, thank God. In our, in our political context, we have a constitution. We can say the Constitution is supreme, right? And the president and the governors are, are kind of, uh, they're, they're, they have their authority because their authority comes from the Constitution. Just as here in Peter's context, the governors had their authority because it came from the emperor. The emperor was supreme. So uh, we, don't have, we don't have exactly the same situation. Uh, but there are, you know, there, there are unjust um, things that go on even under the Constitution, right? Now, some governors have sought to have sought to fix this. This is a very controversial thing. This life. What time we got anyway? By the way, okay, we're getting close, aren't we? I don't have time to do this, folks. Uh, know that as a Christian, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna endure suffering, and that's good. That's a good thing. Keep doing what's right. That's what Peter's telling us here. Keep doing what's right. Because we know what happens at the end. Christ triumphs, right? So let's read the gospel lesson and we'll... Can we turn that around? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, we'll read the gospel lesson and then... Uh, and Folks, I want to remind you, if there's any uh, anybody want to call with a question or uh, comment. The number is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. So why don't you read for us the gospel lesson, Lee? From John 16, uh, verses 16 through 22. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. Again in a little while you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me. And again in a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you. 
You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has <coughs> sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. So here we come, we're coming back to this theme for the week. Remember, folks, it's Jubilati Sunday. And so uh, uh, Jesus is, is telling us what, what the reason for joy is. Now, he's telling his disciples this at what is called the Last Supper. And uh, the Last Supper eats up about, well, the Supper itself eats up about three chapters, uh, four chapters, 13, 14, 15, and 16 of God, the Gospel of John. The 17 is the high, high priestly prayer of Jesus. In 16, Jesus is sitting with his disciples during this last Passover feast. And he has, uh, at this feast, he's already instituted the, the Supper, the, the Lord's Supper, the uh, communion. And, uh, and so here he is telling them about what's going to happen. Now, immediately after, they're going to go to the garden. And Jesus will be arrested in the garden. He'll be tried the next morning. He'll be crucified. He'll be on the cross by, you know, talking about a speedy trial, right? Right. Uh, he'll be, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mere matter of hours. It's half a day. And Jesus will be, will be nailed to the cross, and so this is only ma- this is only hours away, and Jesus is telling them that what's going to happen is going to fill you with sorrow. When they see him arrested, when Peter and John see him tried, unjustly tried, and condemned, um, uh, when uh, they see him dragged to Calvary nailed to the cross and they realize that this this man that they've been following for the last three years their their master their teacher is now gone can you imagine how that would that would fill you with sorrow and uh, uh, everything you've built your life on for the last three years uh, or or more is is has been obliterated it's kind of like um, kind of like uh, Jeremiah sitting there in Jerusalem and and um, seeing this decimated this obliterated city right that's what it was like for the disciples and that's what Jesus is telling them that you're going to be filled with sorrow but the world is going to be filled with joy they're going to get what they want right and he said but your sorrow will be turned you will see me again and your sorrow will be turned to joy. In other words, when, Je- when they saw Jesus alive again, uh, their sorrow that they felt in those moments was turned to joy. And can you imagine, uh, none of us have ever had this experience where we've seen our dead loved one return, right? Uh, I mean, really dead, right? Buried, and then return at you, you know, <laughs> Uh, but here, here he was, and and which vindicated everything he taught them, vindicated all that they had believed, and 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 in that vindication, can you imagine then them facing death, 
and how how little they would have thought of death after that, when their Lord had told them, because I live, you shall live also. It is no wonder that um, St. Andrew was willing to be nailed to a cross. Uh, you know, St. Andrew's cross, which, uh, by the way, most people know St. Andrew's cross from where? Where do you see, most prominently see St. Andrew's cross in our culture? The Confederate flag was uh, was St. Andrew's cross, right? So it's a, he was crucified on that on that cross. Well, how did he face that? How did he face that? that that kind of death because because of the joy of knowing that death had been defeated because the joy of knowing that that Jesus had rose again he will share in the same resurrection with Jesus death can't harm him death can't keep him death can't hold him right what's the old uh, uh, spiritual ain't no grave gonna hold my body down right those guys knew that Right? Right. They knew that for a fact. And, and can you imagine the joy that comes with that? And it was the kind of joy that sent these 12 men out into the world and turned that world upside down. And the, and the Christian church went from a group of about 12 men to, to in, in a short time, becoming the religion of the world of, of, that, that, of that age and of that that geographical area. Even today, Christianity is the largest religion in the world. Why is that? Because Jesus is rose again. And death has been conquered. And, and, and the thing that we fear the most, because it, it really all bad news, all bad news is connected to the grave. You lose your job, why are you worried about your job? Because you got to eat to live, right? Uh, so all bad news is connected to the grave. Uh, and, and the grave, of course, is the worst of all bad news. It's the end, right? And that's the way that people see. They see the grave as the end. And, and if, if you really truly believe that the grave is the end, I just don't know how you do it. I don't know how you stand at the graveside of a loved one. And maybe that's the reason so many people are being cremated these days right right because they don't have any hope uh, 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 everything's just dust and so you might as well just make it dust I don't know but I don't know how you how you stand at the grave of a loved one if you if you don't have any hope beyond the grave and we're all gonna we're all, you know you might not get cancer you might not have heart trouble you might have a good life where you never lose your job, uh, where you never have any tragedies occur in your life. You might, you, but you're going to die. Everyone's going to share that fate, and so this universal fate of death has been conquered by the universal Savior, uh, the Savior who died and rose again on our behalf, Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. Amen. That's joy. And so this is Jubilati Sunday. And we folks, we hope that you'll uh, remember that and that maybe this will encourage you. If you, if you don't have a church home, um, Gethsemane Lutheran Church, we, we welcome you to come. We welcome you to hear this good news with us. Our, um, our 
services are, we have two services. We have a, a service on Saturday afternoon at 4.30 p.m., and uh, we have a, and that's a small service, just a, just a few people there usually. Don't be shocked if you don't have a, you'll find a lot of people if you come on a Saturday afternoon. I'll be there. But uh, yeah, but it's a nice little service, and uh, and it's uh, for people who are, you know, inclined to, to get it all done on Saturday afternoon, I guess. And um, and then we have a Sunday morning service at 10:30 a.m. and. Uh, uh, all are invited to that. Now, uh, Gethsemane Lutheran Church is located at 219 East Church Street. That's downtown Marion. It's right between uh, Rocky's Bicycle Shop, which is kind of a landmark in Marion, and the old YMCA, if anybody remembers where the old YMCA is, right? And uh, right between there, you, have, you see this big brick building with uh, stained glass and a big green dome on the top. That's Gethsemane Lutheran Church. So, folks, uh, we we invite you to come. We invite you to be part of that, and um, uh, and and do you have anything to add to that? Well, we we believe in the in the, the preaching of the Word of God, and, uh-huh. the, and and we believe that the Word should be interpreted by law and gospel. Yeah, and. Uh, it, we believe that any teaching that goes outside of that, outside of Christ, yeah. uh, that goes beyond what the Scripture says, is hyperbole. Yeah. And uh, so we avoid that. Yeah. Um, Good. And 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 because we preach Christ, we there's really wonderful hope and joy that's available for you folks. Our, our to hear and believe is that. that is that we we don't believe that the, that we go to church to serve God. Yeah, we believe that we go to church so that God can serve us. Isn't that a wonderful? Word. Yes, that's. Thank you for pointing that out. That's a really a wonderful uh, thing. Yeah, uh, folks. Well said. Yeah, yeah. When you when you go to church, you don't go to church to uh, to to do something for God, but to receive so for God to do something for you. And so, folks, we we hope that you'll let God do something for you this weekend. That you'll come and you'll hear this life giving, joyful word of God as Christ is preached into your ears and you receive life and hope and salvation. We thank you for being with us. This uh, this will be replayed Sunday morning at 9.15 and Wednesday night at 7.15. And then we uh, hope that you'll join us again next week, Friday morning, the Lord willing, at uh, 11, 11.13, I guess I should say, 11.13 for another issue of the Wittenberg Door. The voices of you want.